Welcome everyone to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. Today's episode is Blueprint for Murder, starring Patrick O'Neill. This is episode 7 of season 1. This episode was directed by Peter Falk. The teleplay was by Stephen Bacco, and the story by William Kelly. The original air date was February 9th, 1972, and the runtime, 73 minutes. Let's get right to the episode summary. Elliot Markham is an architect. He's building his greatest project, Williamson City, using the money of globe-trotting oil man Bo Williamson. When Bo returns from Europe, he puts the brakes on the project and calls Markham a con man. Markham kills Bo and hides the body, making it seem like Bo has returned to Europe. Bo's ex-wife Goldie calls foul when Bo fails to tell her he left town. Columbo must catch Markham before the body is forever buried in the foundation of the building. The Murder We open the episode with a Cadillac doing a screeching U-turn up the front of the building of the offices of Elliot Markham and Associates. A man gets out of the car and makes his way to the office. To emphasize his determination and focus, only his feet are shown. He's wearing cowboy boots, by the way. The man is Bo Williamson, and he demands to speak with Markham. The secretary says he's not in, but Bo doesn't believe her, so he barges into Markham's office. The secretary's drinking the Kool-Aid. She buys into Markham as a genius. Inside is a large table model of, quote, Williamson City, a planned community that Markham wants to develop. Williamson smashes the model, just like in Gentleman Broncos when Ronald Chevalier got really upset and threw all the kids' binders and started spreading them across the bed. He asks the secretary again, where's Williamson? And she tells him he's at a construction site. So now Williamson, his Cadillac, is pulling into the construction site. For some reason, he's able to pull in there and park. He locates Markham, talking with the foreman, and confronts him. Elliot Markham, Patrick O'Neill, looks a lot like Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll, a little bit. And he mumbles like Bob Dylan. (laughs) Apparently, Williamson had been away in Europe for the past eight weeks, and Markham took the opportunity to convince Williamson's wife to agree to allow him to build Williamson City. Markham claims this project would immortalize Williamson's name. They thought Williamson would love the idea, so they didn't wait for him to return to give his consent. And Williamson says he's more interested in his wallet than his name. He also says that Markham is a con man, and his wife's too young to recognize it. He tells Markham to stay away from him and his wife. Markham calls him a Philistine. Those are fighting words. Markham makes a vague threat. Williamson conveniently explains to Markham that if he has any thoughts of killing him, he should forget it. If he dies, his wife will get an allowance and the rest of the money will go into trust. So there would be no money left for the project. It's a very convenient piece of information for the episode. In the next scene, Markham arrives back at his office. He tells his secretary to contact Mrs. Williamson at the health spa. The secretary is unable to get in touch with her because spa guests are not able to receive communications from anyone during their visit, which conveniently means that Bo has not contacted his wife yet. Then we get a slow zoom-in shot of Markham as he starts to make the face that the Grinch makes when Boris Karloff reads the line, Then he got an idea. 
an awful idea. The Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. Now Williamson is at a ranch watching his racehorse sprint. He seems delighted with the horse's performance. The jockey takes the horse away to its stall and Williamson returns to his Cadillac. He gets in, starts the car, and turns on the country and western music. Just then, Markham pops his head up in the back and he has a gun. Markham leads Williamson out of the car and into the barn. Now we're back inside the Cadillac. The point of view is as if we were driving and there's classical music playing. It's actually a pretty cool shot. The car enters uh, Williamson Ranch and we see that Markham is driving. He has Williamson's keys and gets out to go into the house. He hesitates. Smartly, he rings the doorbell first. And then he gives it three seconds for someone to answer. And then he enters the house. He packs a suitcase and gets back into the car and drives off. I love when they do this in episodes and movies. They they pack a suitcase for someone and they throw a, a couple of shirts, a pair of pants in there and like a toothbrush or something. As if, you know, you're going to go to Europe and you pack just haphazardly this bag with a couple of items in it. And uh, that's it. Let's go. Let's get out of here. The Columbo Intro. Now at the construction site, Markham is glad-handing to the press at a dedication ceremony for Williamson City. Columbo is nosing around and Markham finally asks him if he needs something. Columbo says that the police received a call from Mrs. Williamson that Bo Williamson was missing. There's a bit of confusion at first because the Mrs. Williamson at the dedication ceremony is the current Mrs. Williamson, but the Mrs. Williamson who made the complaint is the ex-Mrs. Williamson, Goldie. They clear that up. Markham explains that Bo is a globetrotter and often leaves the country for several weeks at a time and at a moment's notice. Neither Markham or the current Mrs. Williamson seem concerned. So now Columbo is in the bedroom of the ex-Mrs. Williamson, Goldie, while she's getting a massage. Nice. Goldie is something. She's a little bit foxy with her silver hair and her sassy attitude. Goldie is convinced that Bo is dead. She says she knows Bo really well and he always calls before he leaves town. Columbo loves it when somebody always does something, when they obey a routine and then suddenly they deviate from it, like little bells go off in his head, bing, 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 bing. He gets a call from the department. They located Bo's car at the the he knows scene. Now in Bo's car, Columbo is sitting in the driver's seat. He's listening to the country music from the tape deck. There are tons of tapes in the glove box. He sits back and he's thinking. You can see a little light bulb goes off. He suddenly gets inspiration and he ejects the tape and turns on the radio and it's tuned to a classical music station. He nods his head subtly in understanding. Okay, the second he knows scene, the former and current Mrs. Williamson's are in the Williamson home and Columbo is asking questions. He asks if either of them ever drive Bo's car. They don't. He looks through Bo's appointment book and sees that he is going to miss an appointment with his doctor, a heart specialist. Then Columbo sees the blueprints for Williamson City. The current Mrs. Williamson explains what Williamson City is. Goldie scoffs at the idea, and the current Mrs. Williamson explains that 
Markham said that he and Bo met on the day Bo came back into town, and he loved the idea of Williamson City. Columbo loves that Markham met with Bo when he came back into town. Then, a smug smile. Columbo arrives at Markham's office and speaks with his secretary. She tells Columbo that Markham is teaching a class because he's such a wonderful guy and he feels it's his responsibility to share his great knowledge. She's watering plants and yammering away about what a big shot Markham is, and Columbo begins snooping around. He sees the smashed Williamson City model. Then he sees the classical music collection. He's got a bunch of LPs in the corner. He ignores the protests of the secretary and puts on a classical record. He's about to leave when he points to the Williamson City model and says, what happened here? The secretary explains that Bo smashed it to smithereens. Columbo shows up at the lecture. Markham is speaking about how the Egyptian engineers working on the pyramids were enclosed in the tombs in order to preserve the integrity of the tomb. Some subtle foreshadowing here. The lecture ends and Columbo says to Markham that if he ever murdered anybody, he would hide the body in the foundation of a building. (laughs) It's pretty direct. Columbo asks Markham what happened to the model of Williamson City. And Markham says that Bo was angry because they moved forward on the project without his permission. But after Markham explained the project, Bo loved it. Then Columbo tells Markham about the classical music. Let's listen to the clip. You know, it's a funny thing about that car. Car's got a tape machine in it, and the glove compartment is full of cassettes. Every one of them is country and western music. That's all. And his wife tells me this man doesn't listen to anything else. Nothing unusual about that. No, except the radio dial was set at 52. Classical station. Turned it on. Classical music. Anyway, it seems that whoever was driving that car must have been listening to classical music. It's confusing. I'm sure you'll find an answer, Lieutenant. I'm certainly going to try. Anyway, thanks for your time. Oh, uh, as for your designs, Mr. Williamson did give you his approval, didn't he? I already told you, Lieutenant. As soon as he got over his anger, he gave me his full support. Right. Thanks very much. You know, that's some coincidence. What is? That music thing. You're a great classical music fan yourself, aren't you? I saw your record collection down in the office. Guilty, Lieutenant. I like classical music, along with a few hundred thousand other people in this city. Me too. I like it myself. Enjoy your meal. I like the shot of Columbo at the bottom of the stairs from Markham's point of view. You can't see Columbo's facial expression, so it's hard to read what he knows. Then he asks Markham if he likes classical music, and Markham says, guilty. As if he's answering the question that Columbo was really asking, did you kill Bo Williamson? Then after Columbo says, enjoy your meal, Markham makes a face that confirms that he knows that Columbo knows. Okay, now at the construction site for Williamson City, Columbo speaks with Carl, construction guy. He finds out that they have all the necessary information about the piles, like when they were laid. The piles are large concrete slabs that make up the foundation of the building. Okay, so now at Bo's doctor. The doctor gives Columbo a checkup. He's a fellow who takes himself 
a little too seriously. Every time Columbo asks a question, he says, let me put it this way. It's like he's saying it's complicated and you have to be really, really smart to understand, but let me dumb it down to something you can understand. He does confirm to Columbo that Bo needed to get to the appointment to have uh, an energy cell replaced for his pacemaker. That must be different than a battery somehow. I don't know. He also mentions that Bo would not have gone to another doctor. Then he gives Columbo the gears about the cigars and he asks for a light on his way out. That was classic. Um, <laughs> and the doctor replies, certainly not indignantly. That's good. Okay. Now Markham and the current Mrs. Williamson are playing tennis. She remarks about how he can do no wrong and what a great athlete he is. To be honest, like, he looks pretty average. I think the standards were a lot lower in the 70s. If you watch old NFL games uh, from especially the 60s up to the early 70s, you see how the players looked a lot more like average dudes. And that's probably because... Uh, there were regular dudes working regular jobs in factories and offices because being a professional athlete was not a career yet. You see this in Banachek, actually, when he gets into uh, like a fight or there's a scene in one of the early episodes in the first season where he's playing racquetball and he's supposed to be some super hot shot, but he just, he just looks incredibly average. Okay, anyways, Mrs. Williamson hits an errant ball, and she runs off the court to retrieve uh, the tennis ball and finds Bo's blood-stained cowboy hat. So Markham makes a screwed-up face. He, he looks like he doesn't seem to know what to think, because um, I take it he didn't leave the hat there. Mrs. Williamson sure has got a skimpy tennis outfit on. I feel like it isn't clear whether we're supposed to think that Markham and Mrs. Williamson are banging or whether she just admires him. See, on the one hand, she's in a skimpy outfit while they play tennis, and she hugs him when she discovers the bloody hat. So she's clearly close with him. But on the other hand, we haven't been given direct, any direct evidence that they're involved intimately, like a kiss or even like a look, like a lascivious look or a loving look or something. Nothing like that. So now back at the Williamson house, Markham is drinking and smoking and looking very worried. Mrs. Williamson gets Bo's army dog tags and confirms the blood type is B positive. B positive. Then Columbo gets a phone call from the lab, and they confirm the blood type of the blood on the hat is B positive. Now Markham shows up at Goldie's place. He tells Goldie that he thinks she created the fake evidence so that it would seem like Bo is dead because Bo's will favors her if Bo is dead. He got the will from the current Mrs. Williamson. Then suddenly, Columbo enters and says that he spoke with Goldie's masseuse, and she said that Goldie had a cut on her leg. Also, Columbo had Goldie's blood type checked at City Hall because they need it for the marriage certificate, and it is also B positive. So Goldie confesses, and they just pretty much let it go. Ah, no problem, Goldie. Don't worry about it. Your heart was in the right place, darling. Columbo asks Markham for the will. Now Columbo is at the construction site. He's asking Carl about the piles again. Markham arrives. He starts goading Columbo. 
suggesting that he dig up the pile in D3. Columbo suggests that Markham had a motive. He explains that if Bo's dead, his money goes into trust and the current Mrs. Williamson gets an allowance and Goldie gets 25%. This would mean no Williamson City. On the other hand, if Bo is not found, the current Mrs. Williamson can spend the money without restriction. It's in Markham's interest that Bo go missing but not turn up dead. Then Columbo realizes that Markham really wants him to dig up the pile. So he asks Markham how much it would cost and what's involved. This is the setup, by the way. He's letting Markham take him where he wants him to go. Now we have a huge filler scene with Columbo at City Hall. He doesn't know where to go. He's in long lineups. It's expensive. Exacerbated exhale. Exacerbated hands through hair. Exacerbated hand on elbow and pinching bridge of nose. Rude public service employees. Lovely. They do this in some Columbo episodes, especially the ones in later seasons when those episodes were longer than 73 minutes. They were full movie length. Well, an hour and 20, an hour and 30 minutes. So they needed extra scenes, extra filler scenes. So they have a couple that are just dreadful in the later episodes. But this is where it begins, I think. Let's recap what has happened thus far. Elliot Markham is building his great masterpiece with backing from absent globetrotter Bo Williamson. When Williamson returns from Europe and discovers the plans, he shuts down the project and calls Elliot a con man. In order to continue his project, Elliot kills Bo and hides the body, but ex-wife Goldie knows something is not right. Columbo has locked on to Elliot at this point, but without a body, will not be able to make an arrest. The get scene. Another huge filler scene at the construction site, digging out a pile. Columbo pretending to look worried. Markham has invited the media so that the humiliation is maximized. They don't find anything. Everyone leaves. Columbo apologizes to Markham. I had you wrong, son. Markham tells Carl they'll refill the pile in the morning bet you will Markham. Markham seems convinced that it was real. So now in the evening, Markham drives to where Bo's body is hidden. He gets it from the barn and puts it in his trunk. He's driving, listening to classical music, he's smug. He blows a tire and the car skids to a stop. A patrolman on a motorbike pulls over and asks Markham to pop his trunk so that he can help him with his spare. And Markham sweating bullets. Uh, he hesitates. Then he manages to tell the officer that his spare doesn't have any air, so they can't use it. Good thing the officer didn't have a pump on him. The officer says he'll send a tow truck along. The officer drives away, and Markham changes the tire quickly himself and continues driving. Markham pulls into the construction site. It's dark. He gets out of the car and is about to open the trunk when all these floodlights come on. Let's listen to the clip. Good evening, Mr. Markham. Paul Williamson? Ahead of you all the way, weren't you? Well, I kind of had a hunch. You see, you kept trying to finesse me into digging up that pile, and I had to ask myself why. I mean, you're not a dumb man, Mr. Markham. You wouldn't lead me right to the body. 
Why'd you dig it up? Well, I had to play along, didn't I? You see, I figured you had the body somewhere. But what you really wanted was a foolproof hiding place. Now, what's better than a place that's already been searched and at considerable cost and my embarrassment? You will admit, it's a clever idea. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. Who would look in the same place twice? Should have left it where it was. Mr. Markham, curious about that. Where was it? It's in the equipment shed of his stable. Oh, you never can be sure about those things. You know, bodies have a funny way of surfacing. No, this was brilliant. Eventually, you would have had a whole building over the grave. Yes, brilliant. It was just that music thing that bothered me. Carnegie Hall in Nashville. They don't mix. No, they don't. Okay, so... Mm, didn't love the episode. You know, it was mediocre at best. Um, I could, a couple things I really did like, though. Uh, I really like that Goldie, you know? Like I said, she's a little foxy. Um, she's in an episode of uh, Banachek as well. Um, there's a lot of cross-pollination between Banachek and Columbo and everything else from the 70s. <laughs> I guess there were only a certain amount of actors who made the rounds on all these shows. Um, no, that's not true. So, Patrick O'Neill, born 1927, died 1994, respiratory failure. Um, looking through his acting kind of career credits sort of deal. Mm, you know what? I don't, I mean, I've seen him in a few random things, but there's nothing that sticks out to me as, you know, oh, this was his signature role or something like that. Like most of the movies that he's been in from the mid fifties to the early, early nineties, I don't, I haven't seen most of these movies. Uh, for younger fans, you know, maybe he was in Under Siege, <laughs> Steven Seagal, 1992. I don't really know much of the other movies he's been in. Shows, an episode or two here or there on a bunch of different shows, and nothing major, you know. I don't really recognize most of this stuff. He's in a Twilight Zone episode. He's been in two Columbo episodes. Um, you know, McCloud, Cannon... Murder, She Wrote, Perry Mason's kind of stuff. It's all like one episode here, one episode there, so not much going on there. Okay, Janice Page, better known as Goldie. Um, born in 1922, and I think she might be still alive. That is incredible. Um, she's been in a ton of movies, ton of TV, and I have never heard of most of it. So, yeah, but she's had a long career, did really well. Three marriages, gotta like that. And uh, she's got a great picture on Wikipedia. Looks good. Okay, I don't really have too much to say about this episode. I didn't l really like it that much. Um, it was directed by Peter Falk, which is kind of interesting. Um, you can sort of see it feels different. Like, the direction is kind of different from other episodes so far. Um, he's, he did quite a few... Well, um, a couple, two or three point of view shots. That was sort of a little twist that was good. And I think I mentioned during the episode, I liked the Markham was looking down the stairs at Peter Falk. And Peter Falk was asking him a question in, a, a, in an accusing way. You couldn't see Peter Falk's face. So it was hard to read. That was kind of cool. It was a different direction from other episodes. But overall, this episode didn't didn't do a lot for me. 
If you haven't already, go check out my website. I actually just put up a new site, so it's a lot better. And I'm going to redirect my old site there. My new site is at ptpod.xyz. That's right. Um, so go check it out. ptpod.xyz. Well, we've reached the end of season one of Columbo. And we're approaching the end of season one of the Predictably Treacherous podcast. Tune in next week for a special episode on the films of Don Doler. Thank you.